0: Hey everyone, this episode of Making Movies is Hard is sponsored by Film Casualty Insurance Agency. What is Film Casualty? Well, in short, it's a way for you to find affordable, reliable, and comprehensive insurance coverage for your production or film business. Everyone needs insurance, and if you don't have it, you better get it. So check these guys out. The best part is they understand filmmaking, so they'll only sell you what's relevant to your project. Visit them at filmcasualty.com, and thanks guys for sponsoring the podcast. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Timothy Plain. And I'm Alrick Brassell. Each week, we discuss filmmaking topics and give you our point of view on them. Not as experts, but as two filmmakers trying to figure it out for ourselves. So how are things going with you this week?
1: Good. You know, busy, but good. Yeah. Um, not Any really... updates? Um, yeah, I mean, so I uh, have decided on my DP for the movie. Uh, Jason Josepher has uh, officially come on board the project. So that's exciting. Your regular DP? My regular, trusted, tr- you know, tried and true uh, DP. Nice. Tr- tried and true, right? Like, <laughs> like you tried them, and they're they've been true. Is that what the saying? Yeah. is? yeah. So you worked with him on all of your short films? No, on um, two: the strange thing and the rage, um, and then that's right. You had a different one for brother. Yeah, my friend Casey. Shout out to Casey. Um, How traitor. come Jason didn't do brother? Um cuz Casey and I wanted to make a movie together and oh, okay. um it was like I was like what about this and I thought it was just going to be like I didn't know how big of a deal it was going to be <laughs> um but I had a lot of fun working with Casey and it was cool because at the time that you made that, you
0: thought it was going to be like a quick turnaround or you're going to make... I
1: thought it was going to be a small little fun thing and yeah. it was just going to be a wham. But I just, you know, I escalated it like I escalate everything. So. <laughs> it was supposed to be more like cake where you just get it done quickly. Yeah, right? it, but then I got like, a, a, you know, a more well-known <laughs> personality involved and then like, you know, right. his expectations for what it was going to be. And, you know, of course, then just what I wanted it to be based off of that. And, you know, it just kind of got bigger and bigger. And no longer was it just something I could shoot in my apartment with, like, minimal lighting. It was, like, yeah, the big the big deal, just like yeah. the other one. Let's go yeah. full on. Yeah. But, no, I'm really excited. We had a really great meeting yesterday and talked over all the stuff. And, you know, I basically said, like, you know, in order to do this, I really need him to be all in, you know, mm-hmm. to, like, just whatever. And I don't think he ever wasn't all in, you know, but it's just, like... It's one of those conversations where, you know, you want to be clear on, like, what your expectations are. Because I know a lot of directors of photography probably just think that, you know, they only want to be involved with, like, the camera stuff, you know. Right. um, Or the things that relate directly to their job. But I think for me on a film like this, like, I just want more of a solid team that I can just lean on for things you know like if, whether it be feedback or you know just whatever little things or even bigger things um like going to meetings or whatever so uh i don't know i just um i really kind of laid out what i was looking for and he was ready to do it you know that's good so yeah so excited i'm so you ready got a producer you got a dp yeah i got a casting director you um a casting director your team's really coming together yeah now I need to find like a visual effects house that's willing to uh partner with me, you know, um is the casting director the same one that you've had on for a while that just yeah' like, I've been talking to her for we'll for, a, for a bit you know um and I met with her when I was in l a earlier this year, and we talked about it some more, and she's still game, she's down, so I just now I think it's gonna be in the new year when I really start to ramp up with her and like, mm-hmm. try to just see if she can get the script to people. Yeah. What's her role going
0: to be? Cause you're going to go after people, not through auditions, but just people you recognize, right?
1: Yeah, I think, well, so originally I thought that we were going to do offers that we would just, you know, like raise a certain amount of money and mm-hmm. then just make direct offers to people. Be like, we're shooting this, this time of the year, these dates, uh, and this is how much money we can pay. And it's not a pay or play deal. It's only, um, you know, if if we actually make the movie, will we hire you to do it, you know? Um, right. And this is X amount of dollars is what we can offer. Uh, but then I talked to Jeff and he said... Your producer. Yeah, producer Jeff, um, that it's too early for that, that we shouldn't be doing that right now because you know you don't want to have you want to have at least half the budget or even the production budget before you start making offers to people because you don't want to be caught in a situation where you can't actually make the movie you know and we're so far off and it's so early that you know, we, we can't really, we don't want to make any of those kinds of commitments to people that we not, we may not necessarily be able to up, uphold later on. So right. it's better if we can just like get the script to people and get them reading it and get them excited about it. And, you know, maybe get an LOI, but like, maybe just like get them, get it on their wavelength, you know, and see if it's something that they're interested in and then start the conversation. Um I guess, I don't know how, if I tell that to my casting director, I don't know what she's going to say. She's going to be like, oh, well,
0: <laughs> right. She don't might don't be know. like, we, I, I can't do that. I
1: can't do that. I can't just send it to them. They're not going to want to read it unless they have an offer attached yeah, to it. The you know? two
0: different ways that we've heard about approaching actors is one, there's like this way, the pre money way, which is you try to get an actor excited just based off of the creativity of the script. And then there's like the Steven Bernstein way, which is raise the money, set your shoot dates and then make the offers to actors.
1: Right. It, it, seems it seems like, like if you way. make an
0: offer, yeah, you have a better chance of them actually looking at it because it's a real thing. Like, we've, we've heard, like, it's, it's only a real thing once there's money. Anyone can talk. Right.
1: Right. I've heard different, um, you know, sort of opinions on this, too, that, like, you know, if you're caught reaching out to actors, there's no reason why you can't just say that you're more funded than you are. Um, because you just get them to read it. <laughs> because, like, you know, you just bend the truth slightly. Um, but... I don't know i mean i think there's just more liberal and conservative ways to play the game you know like how how yeah. straight up are you gonna be and like how are you gonna um navigate that but i'm basically gonna just approach her and be like this is what my producer said um yeah, let's see what she says. are you willing to do this because uh, that's what you're I you're gonna do that next like year yeah i mean I, i'll probably email her now about it but i don't think she, you know it doesn't seem like a good time to start sending out um, scripts to actors during the holidays, you know. Yeah. Um, but maybe it is, and I, I don't really know how it works. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'll just, I'll probably email her this week and just, you know, see what's going on.
0: Yeah. Why not at least reach out and see what she says? Is this a good time or is this a bad time?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's no reason to wait to, to email her at least just to get it going. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm redoing my my lookbook right now, which uh, you know is taking me longer and. I'm supposed to be really do- redoing the style of it, but I'm not really g- good with that kind of stuff, so it's that's be- being a, become a challenge. so what I think I'm gonna do is just uh redo the content first and then you know at least I can start sending out this the new version with the new content and then at the same time, I'll be working on like a remodel of of the book to make it look nicer just because it's you know it's just a little basic right now and I think. You, you really want something that has a little more ooze oozes a little more style um, from it, you know, and is just a little bit more elegant than my current book. Right. You know? Oh, and then I also I don't know if I talked about this last last week, but but Jeff, my producer, was he, he had some ideas on different casting. Um, and like looking at my my wish list, he is like, Well, that person you can't get, that person you can't get You know, and then I I talked about some other people, and he's like, "Yeah, why they should be on there? Put them on there." And then his whole philosophy with the book is like, I don't know if you, you remember reading it, but right now I have like six pictures of actors in my book. And then I, Mm -hmm. I mentioned other actors that aren't pictured just because I wanted to like include more options. Yeah. And he was like, don't include anybody that you don't have pictured because if people are reading it and they're like, Oh yeah, I heard of that person. Oh, who is it on this thing? And then they're not there. They're going to just be confused. Uh. So he was like, keep it to, you know, however many people you're going to put in the picture in there, just put those people in the actual book and leave out anyone else. Because you don't want to confuse your reader. Interesting. You know. So, and did he have a, a recommendation with how
0: many actors you should include? I, th- I think he liked the six
1: that I had. Yeah. Yeah. He, he seemed to. He's actually seemed to be really into my book overall. Like you know, That's he he, th- he thought that I had done a good job, and it's it's not you know because that's all the advice i had gotten from other producers so i mean i just kind of followed what other people told me and i had looked at a bunch of other books and so i just kind of copied what other people had done and kind of made a shorter version because a lot of the books i read were like 20 pages Mm -hmm. even 25 pages long and then everyone kept on telling me over and over again like 10 to 12 10 to 12 and so that's what i did and he he said he really appreciated that you showed restraint yeah. And he's like, if you really want to put more information in there, um, then, you know, maybe 15. But again, like we talked about last week, like people aren't going to read <laughs> much past, past that's the first few pages. Yeah. Like page four.
0: And just so I'm clear where, who is getting this book? Who, who are you going to send it out to?
1: Um, What's the I'm going to send it to, it's for investors. Um, and then it's also for, uh, production companies and, you know, if, like if I, you know, equity, f- film equity firms or funds, like the horror equity fund people, if they'll talk to me, uh, they, I would send that to them. Um, It's not for actors or um, you know, for, I don't even know if it's for actors, agents. Maybe it is, but maybe not. I, I think maybe you don't even send it to those people. I think you just send it to like the investors and the production company people. And then I think you maybe make a slight, like once you actually know who your cast is and you have the whole thing kind of more buttoned down then maybe you make a version of that that you can pass to to different departments to just kind of you know help illustrate the vision of the movie a little bit better you know yeah like i'm sure the production designers want to want to see the mood board that i'm right. going to make and all that other stuff you know yeah mood boards have you heard of this mood board thing
0: uh-huh yeah.
1: um as like a video where like they just make a little video that like you know, has all the different, um, you know, references from other movies that you like, you know, yeah, we, we make those a lot
0: in advertising, too. I think that's where it was born from was advertising. People went over to the feature film side and brought this idea along with them. Right. We call it like rip, a rip video because we just rip stuff from other movies and yeah. edit it together.
1: I I think that's actually really popular. Yeah, it sounds like it's really popular right now. Yeah, I was looking at another um, lookbook for a movie that uh, my lawyer had just produced, and they had that same kind of video in there. And it almost seems like I'm getting that having that video... Is almost just as valuable as having a uh, teaser trailer, you know? Maybe not as valuable because it's not the actual movie, but like people just want to see and feel what the movie is going to be like. And if you can just show them that, um, through samples, uh, people like that t- kind of stuff, right. you know? So I got to make that too. I got a lot of things to do. <laughs> My list of work is pretty high right now you have a busy 2018 yeah i mean luckily like you know luckily and unluckily like my production like you know corporate video stuff is slow right now but i mean i'm just busy every day with um you know meetings and you know, just trying to Put time into these documents and writing emails after emails every day. And mm-hmm. I'm using Slated now to try to reach out to people. So I, I start, have to start approaching investors through Slated now that I actually have a producer uh, attached to the movie on mm-hmm. that, on that software or that, you know, network. So that I don't know. I don't know if that's going to help people take the project more seriously or not. I, I certainly hope so. Um, but then I was noticing on this thing, just a little tangent really quick. But so we both know Slated. I don't, mm-hmm. We talked about Slated a little bit on the podcast, but they uh, basically you can put your movie up there and then, um, you know, you attach cast and crew and and whatever. And then you get you know, get a certain crew rating or score based on all the people that you put on there. But then you also can get a script rating and a financial rating. And those are things that you pay slated to provide for you. Oh, and then based off those ratings, your movie is rated higher or lower, you know, on the list. <laughs> yeah. And I was just checking the top like 200 or so uh, movies on there. Maybe it was 150. And the top 150 movies on slated all had financial scores and script scores. Hmm. And, you know, people just pay for it. They pay like a thousand bucks and you get, I think there's a thousand dollar package... <laughs> Yeah, you can get the script score and the financial score together for a thousand dollars now. And I think before it was like a thousand, I think the script score is like a, the script work or whatever is like 400 bucks or something. And then the financial thing is like a thousand dollars, but now they're offering a package deal where you get them both together for a thousand. Um, so yeah, I don't know. And I'm just like (laughs) sitting here thinking like, yeah. Is that shit important? <laughs> Should I be doing that? <laughs> like, is that how the only way I'll actually get that system to work for me is if I actually have, um, you know, some sort of, uh, package together of that kind? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. How yeah, would my movie even score? I don't know. We haven't
0: even yeah dug too far into Slated because neither of us had had a feature to put on there. Now you do. So you'll have to unpack that one and figure it out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've had the alternate on there for a million years, you know, um, just like since I got serious about it. And it's, you know, it's had a rating of whatever, 0.09 or 0.9 forever uh, on there. And then as soon as I attached uh, Jeff, my producer, to it, um, yeah, and that, then it became like our five immediately, you know. Um, what's so the, what's up, the like, score out of? I, I think a 100 um so (laughs) you're
0: you're five out of a hundred
1: yeah because but the top movies they're like 50s and Uh, 55s and 60s (laughs) or i think there may be some 70s on there you know but it's like you know if you have a, a a cruise score of 70 but then you don't have a financial score or a um you know script score then it you're the highest then your score is like 30. Right, like, cause I, cause I went down low enough where people didn't have script scores and mm-hmm. financial scores, and yeah, if you even if you had a really high, um, you know, crew score, it didn't get your movie that highly rated, you know. So, uh, I don't know. It, 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 I know it's a money game, and I know it's their business model is getting people to pay for this stuff. Uh, but yeah, how else are they going to make money? Yeah, but I don't know. At the same time, I'm just like, well, it's a thousand dollars. I don't know. Is that a good investment? i don't know i guess it depends on how
0: people are using slated like if you're an investor and you're going on slated how are you finding movies to invest in like that's that's the question that you have to answer i don't know if you're going to be able to do that but if all they're doing is going on and looking at like the top 200 and and reading them then yeah it is going to make a difference
1: but i can email them directly so i can i can message mm-hmm. um you know Hundreds of investors directly. Yeah, you through and five
0: hundred other filmmakers.
1: Right, exactly. But I mean, I'm wondering, like, you know, I guess this is somebody. This is a question for an investor who's on slated investing in movies. If they're out there listening to the podcast, like, do you care about that kind of stuff? Like, mm-hmm. are you actually looking at these script scores and financial scores and taking them seriously, or are you just um, investing in projects based on the merit of the project alone? I'm you know? guessing, like most
0: other investments it's people that know each other somehow they have some tangential relationship to somebody and they're like oh you want to invest in movies my friend is a producer and they hook up and they meet and probably slated is like a way for them to kind of like further their network but i don't think there's a lot of blind investing going on that people are just like i want to invest in films i'm going to sign up for slated i'm going to go search for some films to invest in
1: yeah, I don't know. I I'm, I have no idea. But I mean, Yumi, um, who was on the show, she told me a while ago that she used Slated um, to find investors. And she actually found investors through Slated by just, oh wow you know, emailing people. She like emailed like a thousand people through there. Yeah. And like found one, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I mean, you know, I think it can happen. Yeah. Um, well, we have a lot I, to learn about this. I got one person who responded to me through there and she'll check in with me every, you know, uh, like three or six months or something. I think she's in Italy and she's always asking me like, what's the status? What's the update on the project? And, uh, I'm just saying, Hey, yeah, it's just still looking for, for, for financing, <laughs> you know, and she is yet to, you know, actually want to invest in it. But now that I have a producer on board and I've set shoot dates, Maybe that'll. I don't know. Maybe that'll get her excited. I'll have yeah. to send her an email today and be like, yeah, "Hey, What's things up? are moving forward.
0: I <laughs> We're got a producer." Doing this.
1: Yeah, that's all my emails have been this last week. It's just been like, "I got a producer. Let's do this. <laughs> let's make this movie. We have our shoot date set. Let's I, let's go." <laughs> yeah, give me money now. <laughs> well, next year is going to be exciting.
0: We're actually on the podcast. This is. There's only two more episodes after this one. And I know we've just done a bunch of episodes where it's just been you and me talking, but there's a few things that I wanted to wrap up. And we you also put that message on Facebook asking people for topic suggestions because we were out of topics last week. And then a bunch of people answered. And I thought we should at least just go through those and at least acknowledge that we got it and talk about some of them I think we can answer. And then some of them, I think, just kind of give some insights into more of what people are looking from us right now. I know it's hard to, like, bucket every all of our listeners into one thing and say, oh, everybody's looking for this, but I did start seeing some patterns and what people are hoping to get out of the podcast. And, you know, it's probably a good, like, year-end wrap-up to talk about that stuff. So when we go into 2018, we're fresh and kind of focused. Sounds good. I think the the alternate stuff's going to really help because that'll give some focus to it because there's, like, one project now that we can follow.
1: Oh, for next year? Yeah, Yeah, for next year. I don't know. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I guess it just depends on <laughs> how successful it is. Uh, but yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm confident that we'll get our money and that we'll get this thing done. I just need to really devote my time to it and hope and just not get distracted. And I've, um, you yeah, I pretty much decided that I, I don't think I'm going to pursue the, uh, the alternate short even. I mean, maybe, but you know, it just sort of depends on if, uh, you know, if, things come together because I need a portal design before I can do it. And if the mm-hmm. portal design doesn't get ready till like February, then it's almost going to be a little late at that point, you know, to yeah. really do one. Cause, and, and I don't know, like, I just think it's, I gotta just get I just gotta convince people to invest in the, in the film. <laughs> That's really I think like you the just focus line. on the
0: feature. Cause even if you, I would say that the short film, all the prep prep for a short film is going to be half of what it would take to prep a feature. So I would just put all that time and energy into prepping the feature.
1: Yeah, that's my sense. That's what I'm thinking. Um, yeah. Cool. So do you want to get into this stuff? Yeah. So let's see.
0: The a few episodes ago, I talked about a few things that I want to talk. That I just want to wrap up. Uh, one of them was the how hard it is to find Act Two and Act Three breaks in a self-contained movie. And I had a little bit of a, an aha moment the other day that I just wanted to run past you and see what you think. So um, because you don't have another place to go because you're in the same location, you have to ch- kind of change the world or change the rules of the universe in order to create this a uh, new Act 2 or Act 3 kind of trajectory. And so I was thinking about Alien. And I think that the way that that worked is by turning the face hugger into the chest burster, they created like a whole new act two without having to change the location because now like the rules of what that alien is and what it's capable of has changed. And it also changes the changes their mission. Cause now it's loose on the ship and they have to go find it before it kills everyone. Right. And then act three is the revelation where they find out that, Uh, ash is a robot and the mission of the nostromo is to bring the alien back alive and the crew is now expendable and so they decide to um, self-destruct the ship so same location the stakes have changed the mission's slightly different but the rules are also different too it's like there's things that they've learned that they're those that have always been true they just have learned now what the truth is
1: Right. Well, that also works because there's more characters too. Yeah. You know? that's true. And, and there's a clear villain, you know, or a threat at least. And, and then, and then like the mystery around the, the alien, I think too, is what really makes that movie work because, you know, when it, you know, busts out of his chest and then it's like, you know, acid through the floors and the hull of the ship, <laughs> then they're, right. they're basically looking for this small little thing. And they have no, oh no idea that it's going to grow to be the big alien, you know? And then before they know it, they're getting picked off by this thing. And then, you know, it's like complete survival mode, you know? Right. So it's just a really fun concept. Um, and I feel like that's like a really, I don't know. That's like a certain movie that works really well in in those parameters and like you know after alien a lot of other movies did that you know and then like like the (laughs) thing is like a really fun twist on that because the alien is is not only an alien but it could also be anyone you know so it it like they took that same kind of concept and they like sort of flipped it on its head a little bit Uh, yeah i forgot about the thing Um, that's a good self-contained movie yeah and like same thing like you know same about same rough amount of crew or or cast mm-hmm. in that as alien you know and i feel like that eight or so people or ten or whatever like that they start with and them getting picked off one by one is like it's just a really great formula um but again you know that can go really bad too you know we've all seen the very <laughs> bad version of that movie yeah as but well. i
0: wonder what separates the good from the bad versions
1: yeah and i don't think it's being first it's not like the first people no did i don't it think the so best either ones. i think it's just you know the best characters um the, the best storytelling you know of that of that that whole thing Because I, I almost feel makes- like there's
0: a version of alien where it's just that the screenwriters didn't dig deeper and it's just about the aliens loose on the ship and they just have to kill it before everyone dies, it's like a slasher film. There, there's going to be the final girl. Everyone else is going to die, and then the final girl's going to kill the alien and and movie over. But I think some of the revelations along the way, and like what you're hinting at with the mystery of the alien and how it operates, it's an evolving creature. It's not just the same thing throughout the entire movie. It starts as a face hugger, turns into a chest burster, grows. It has uh, acid blood. You know, there's all these parts of it that we're like learning along the way, and I think revealing the that that mystery makes it like a more compelling story. And I think
1: the thing is very similar to that too, right? Yeah, I mean, the thing's a little different because they they you know it kind of creeps up a little more gradually because no one um, you know gets the dog gets infected first, and then it's the dog who starts to transform and weird out into something else and then you know it takes like after that happens it's like oh what the fuck happened and then they don't really realize that <laughs> one of them is the creature until like after that creature kills one more person right so it's sort of it's even more gradual and, and then it's still the same mystery thing like them trying to figure out what happened or why this is going on and all that you know um and it's a really fun setting you know this snow base you know in Siberia somewhere like this bunker. It's just, you know, it's cool, but it's basically the same location as a spaceship. It's like a contained, right. isolated thing that you can't really get out of, you know, because of weather in that case. And then in the spaceship, it's because of space, you know? Um, I think what the thing taps into good. that Alien doesn't is like you don't know who you can
0: trust. Like the right. people you thought you could trust, you don't know if you can trust because you don't know if they're them anymore.
1: Well, they do that too with um, the with Alien a little bit with a robot, you know. Yeah, once like you find think, out. But that's yeah. like
0: way at the, that's like almost at the end of the movie that you okay. find that out.
1: Yeah, but there, there's definitely, because you, you see <clears throat> the robot making decisions, um, you know, that are, you know, or like weird looks and, and things that, are not necessarily helpful to the crew, you know, before that reveal. So, you know, something's up. There's just some weird looks. I don't know. I can't remember exactly, but I feel like there's definitely some mystery around motivations too. Cause she just wants to get the hell out of there. And like, you know, and she's just, they just won't. Basically like the simple thing that you think you should do is always what Ripley wants to do in those movies. And then everyone's like, always like no 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 don't do that don't just blow up the planet don't just do this like oh no like we, we need to whatever we need to preserve this thing like we need to study it we need to understand it more mm-hmm. and she's like what's to understand kill an alien goddamn it <laughs> that's more aliens
0: more but yeah that's aliens but anyways well so my next step is to take this and like apply it to something like the breakfast club and see if there's something there to it because <laughs> like that right. these are these are like uh they call these monster in the house movies where you're trapped in a place with the monster but Breakfast Club is not that movie, so you know the rules of that movie work very differently. But I just thought it was it was good for me to kind of come up with this because it gives me a new direction to go in. It helps me kind of figure out, all right, well, what what can I do in my script? Like some some sort of revelation or uh, rule change that'll help propel the story in a completely new direction because now there's new information.
1: Yeah, or upping the stakes, I guess. Is yeah, what they call upping that the stakes is a huge one. Yeah. Cool. So, well, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. So there's that. And then the other one was we did an episode on Facebook ads three or four episodes ago. And I promised that I would come back with some math on what it would cost to like advertise on Facebook to drive sales to a movie. So here's, here's what I came up with. Um, when, when I did my ads, I had 45 cents per click. And I, in my head, I was thinking, all right, so how many clicks? How many click-throughs would turn into a sale? So if I had 10 people click-through, how many of those people would actually buy the movie and how many of them might actually rent it? And I'm setting it at 1 out of 10 people would buy it and 2 out of 10 people would rent it. And I'm selling the film at $10 and I'm renting renting the film at $3. So for every $4.50, 10 clicks that I spend, I plan to gross $16 and net 1150. So it's uh, a spending 450 to get 1150 back. So I'd have to spend just to get like $35,000. I'd have to spend like $14,000 in Facebook advertising.
1: And then and then you should get $13,000 Thirteen thousand dollars back, you said.
0: Now, if I spent fourteen thousand Facebook advertising and all the stuff was true, I would recoup thirty five thousand dollars.
1: Okay, if everyone clicked the way that they should. Yeah, yeah, but they still have to. Would would your one click equal a purchase, or would the no? Click- so
0: I pay forty five cents for people to click because that's that was like what I came up with on when I did my stuff is like right every time somebody clicked. Um. Okay, I'm trying to think how, how to explain this. The click is just a click. Like, oh, I'm interested in this. I'm going to go check it out. And you click. But once you're on that page and it says, here's the movie in the trailer. Do you want to buy it? Do you want to rent it? I'm guessing that not everyone who clicks is going to buy or rent it. Only so one out of 10 people would actually oh, buy it. And 10, only okay. two out of 10 people would actually rent it. So if I'm paying 45 cents for people just to go to that page... And only one out of 10 of them is buying it, and only two out of 10 of them, pe- 10 of people are renting it, then that means every time I spend $4.50 to get those 10 clicks, I'm only gonna make $11.50 through sales.
1: Right yeah even if 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 that right if
0: that yeah exactly yeah. and it's all theoretical right now because so that
1: that means out of 10 people three people have to either rent it or, per, or purchase exactly. it exactly right so that's that's kind of a high ratio isn't it like to have it might be i have no 30% idea percent of people actually <laughs> purchase it once they're it's in front of them i
0: figured if they're clicking on it then they're they're motivated to do something and three out of ten doesn't sound like it's Totally unrealistic, but it could be. I'm not sure. So yeah. you know, we'd have to try. But if my movie budget was like a hundred thousand dollars, and just to get thirty five thousand, I have to spend fourteen thousand in advertising. I mean, that's going to be a lot of advertising. Right. Like, I could easily spend. Like forty thousand dollars in advertising just to get my money back on Facebook sales. So I started thinking about other ways that I could make money off of my movie.
1: But then that does that also cover the ad money too, though? Like, is yeah, that covers the ad money. So if you if you spent forty thousand dollars, you would get that money back, and right, it'd be like one hundred and forty
0: thousand dollars total sales, assuming that okay, assuming that it could keep performing at the same rate, because at a certain point. If you keep advertising and you've advertised to everyone who's interested in your film, you might start seeing diminishing returns. I There's mean, only going to be so long that you can do it for, right?
1: If you drop forty Gs into Facebook ads, um, <laughs> like, what is that even going to look like? Like, will that just be every market all over Facebook, or will that just be for a long ass time? Or do you break it up into like different chunks? Like, how how do you approach that even? Well, when I
0: did mine, I spent $30 for to target uh, probably like 100,000 people over the course of a few days. So it would probably just be, yeah, millions of people across a longer period of time. Like maybe you do it for like a month or two months or half a year even. Like it depends on how long your window is for the the rental and sales of your movie. Because that's only one window, right? We have to like factor in if you're going to, Do Amazon Prime, or you're going to try to sell to Netflix, or you're going to do Hulu, or whatever. You could also create ads just to direct people to those platforms. But you're going to make a lot less money off of those than you would selling it directly to people. Because, like, if I sold my movie directly to people at $10, but then I'm only getting 8 cents a view on Hulu, I'm making a lot more money by getting somebody to buy it for 10 bucks.
1: this would be like so through your own site directly people purchasing the yeah i mean that's
0: the other thing i haven't factored in is like the cost to to host it like where am i directing people am i directing people to a vimeo sales page or itunes or you know where is it going to live and i'm gonna have to pay some portion of whatever i make to those people that are hosting it
1: yeah, I don't know how it works on Vimeo. Um for the for that hosting, but I think don't you just get that if you're a high enough member, don't you just get access to that service? I don't like think I, so.
0: I think you I pay a percentage of what you make.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. I thought that like you could do it if you're like a pro member, then you can like y- then you have access to the Vimeo on demand services. Maybe.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, these are just general costs just to like wrap my head around like what it w- what it might take to get money back on like a
1: $100,000 film by myself. Right right Yeah. I mean I talked to my producer about this briefly I was like what do you think about self distribution he's like don't do it <laughs> he's like yeah. I have not seen people make uh, a good money on that yet it's like really risky and it's a ton of work you know so it's. Just, I think it's just far better get a good distribution deal if your movie's good you'll get a good deal that's gonna make money for both of you yeah um, so I don't know I mean, sorry, Liz Manichelle, without the <laughs> advice I got. I mean, not saying that I wouldn't still apply for her program, you know if when the movie's done, just because yeah, I mean, of course, I want to take all opportunity of all options, you know and take take a look at everything that's out there, but yeah, I don't know, especially if your producer has connections to distributors already, and you know if they and sales agents for that matter. And if they know like, hey, this person really likes the movie, like they're going to they want to rep it and uh, they think they can get X amount of dollars for it. It's like that's just a much more attractive thing than, you know, applying for this, you know, self-distribution grant and then Mm -hmm. having to put in a year and a half of work, you know, distributing your movie when you could just have someone else do it for you and then go off and hopefully make your next movie, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I I guess I think there's arguments both ways. Yeah, well, well, like hopefully we'll be able to like you know play this out in real time, and, and this time next year I'll be editing my movie mm-hmm. and you know getting ready to submit it to to Liz's program or to you know or 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 not or be like oh wow yeah we showed this rough cut to so and so person and they just freaking love it so yeah. you know we're already going to Sundance next year. I guess the question <laughs> you have to ask yourself with distribution
0: is can a distributor sell your film uh, to way more people than you ever could because if they can sell it to the exact same amount of people that you could and you just have to put the work in then you get to keep all the money rather than paying them 40% or whatever it is that, of your, that your deal is with them so I think that's the argument if you're going to if you're releasing the movie in a big way and it's going to millions and millions of people yeah a distributors going to be way more valuable but if it's only going to you know, a hundred thousand people,
1: then you could probably do it yourself. Right, right. I mean, I guess you know he did say aggregators are good, you know, mm-hmm. so that we could go to like you know one of those those different companies and yeah. do it that way. Uh, so that's sort of a form of self distribution, but you're still going through you know some sort of service for that. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it happens. I've also heard that like HBO and some of these cable providers pay mm-hmm. a lot of money for movies and that those are, you can only get through agents, you know, right. like either a right. distributor or a sales agent of some kind. And you can't really get those deals on your own. So maybe that's worth it too. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, but I don't know. I want to explore all this stuff, man. Yeah. See see what happens.
0: So I have more to share in this because I was when I was doing Facebook ads and calculating this, I realized that it was going to take way too much advertising to kind of sell on Facebook. So I was trying to think about what my other windows would be to make money off of this. And I went and saw um, The Darkest Hour, the new Joe Wright film at the Castro and it's like sold out audience and Joe Wright was there with... Uh, some of the actors and the editor and they did like a Q and A and it's like, ah, oh, you know, I've always, I've heard, I've always talked about like people doing the kind of tour with the movie. And I, I also know some friends that made a movie and kind of did that too, where they sold out theaters and, and use that as like a, a way to distribute their movie. It's like, I wonder what the costs are to like rent the Castro. And if you sold out all the tickets, like what you would make, And it wasn't that much after I did the the calculations. You can only make like about $5,000 per screening. Um, So I feel like theatrical, you would have to just do so many of them. And it would take so much work to sell out all these theaters that... To me, it didn't make sense to do more than like two or three of those because it would just be such a time kill. But it'd be fun to do. So I did like Window One theatrical. I think I could make ten thousand dollars by like doing that at three theaters. And just I'd have to find a way to build my audience um, outside of paying Facebook to advertise on it because it's just it would be it'd be really hard I think to sell movie theater tickets. And yeah, then maybe. number 2 would be Facebook advertising selling directly and then number 3 would be the video on demand stuff that we've talked to other people about the Hulu's the Amazons and the Netflix and I took some of the stuff that um Griffin had done with his Sriracha documentary like some of his numbers and I applied those to this so if like I get 200,000 views on Hulu at 8 cents a view, that's $13,000. And then if I did 200,000 views on Amazon, that's $36,000. And then let's say for some crazy reason, I was able to sell it to Netflix for $6,000. Then all that money together would equal $100,000. Yeah. But dude, 200,000 200, views sounds like so much, right?
1: Oh yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it seems really challenging. I yeah. mean, you have to become a whole like a, a just a marketer for your your career to do it. I think
0: the advertising is super important. I don't think you can just put your movie on and get these kind of numbers. I think you do have, you're going to have to spend money on advertising. So I now I know why that like 20 twenty five thousand dollar marketing budget is important because you will have to put a lot of money into just getting the word out that your movie's available and then hopefully it'll spread beyond there that it's not just you paying people for clicks but they're actually passing the word on they're like they're telling their friends about it if the movie's good enough
1: right well i mean i think the key here is if the movie's good enough then a lot of the stuff becomes easier you know um but it's uh, I think it's just like gonna be an uphill battle no matter what, just to get people to, to look at things. Like we've had so much a hard time just getting people to click on our short films, like trying to you know get them <laughs> yeah. to click and purchase something. Like that just seems like so much harder, you know. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. We've I mean, done it I, though. We made yeah, it happen. That's true we we i think for the rage we're thinking about just putting it on Amazon Prime um and making it like only available through a paywall and just seeing what happens um and not just releasing it traditionally online and just doing doing a pay only thing and just seeing how much money we can will come in through just having it on those services and just promoting it ourselves that's cool um, yeah i don't know just like as an experiment just to see like Yeah, will we will we make any money back on this thing? Like, will we get any um, returns, or is it just gonna sit on Amazon Prime and like no one's gonna watch it? You know, right? Um, Wow. Yeah, Yeah, I think those are good experiments to try
0: just to see.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, and then if we change, if it's not going well, no one's clicking on it, and it's nothing's happening, then we can just you know try to just release it online, like a you know like a normal like we normally do for our movies, but. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's an interesting thing to explore um just to see you know if if it is on Prime and someone sees The Rage on there if they're they're ch- ch- you know searching for something else like isn't isn't Carry 2 called Carry 2 The Rage or Carrie 2 Rage or something like that? <laughs>
0: um, yeah, that sounds yeah, about right.
1: But I'm sure there's some other movies that um have rage in the title or somehow connected to rage, so I'm sure if if we did get it onto amazon prime that people would be searching for other things and then it would pop up and I, i'm not exactly sure how many cents we get for each prime click you know when you just put it up yourself but it's probably similar what would what you say the prime clicks were it's like tr- right now from what i've heard it's 12 cents per hour viewed
0: so okay. you're going to have to have people, if you you're it's a five-minute short film or something?
1: Yeah, so you have to have, like, you know, whatever, <laughs> 30 people, wa- not 30. Watch
0: it before you get 12 cents?
1: Yeah, right? like, yeah, I think it, yeah, what is it? What is What would it be, five times? Uh, Tw- 12. 12. Twelve. Twelve. So it would be 12 people in order to, <laughs> to equal 12 cents. So, <laughs> so a one cent per view yeah so it would be a one cent per view that's so
0: wow. pretty much a youtube no youtube's probably less than that youtube's probably like one cents for every
1: 10 views yeah i'm not sure oh boy
0: yeah making but money anyways, man
1: yeah and then maybe put it on vimeo through a paywall too and yeah. then just promote that and like you know two dollars watch the movie a dollar see what happens you know, see yeah are people interested in this thing at all mm-hmm. like you know, is Jeff's ass worth it for a dollar? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke if you've seen the movie. Anyways. If you haven't, uh, you can pay to see it soon. You can pay to get the joke. Um, <laughs> all right. Anything else about Facebook ads you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I just,
0: I I know I threw a lot of numbers out. And if anybody's interested to see the stuff, it'll be on our website, makingmoviesishard.com. And I'll I'll post it all up so you can see my math and if you want to use it for yours i think for me what i'll do in my business plan is i'll say our first step should be to enter festivals and try to find a a proper distributor but if it doesn't work out here's how i would make my money back on a hundred thousand dollars and then show the breakdown and how much i'd spend on advertising and all that stuff and then just have advertising be a part of my movie budget
1: Nice. Yeah, it's funny. Just to go back to my pitch book again, because we're just talking about it. um, You know, I I have a page in there that I was thinking about taking out that's like a top sheet that has all the numbers. And then on the right hand side, it, it talks about all the different ways that movies, you know, that I would get the movie out into the world. So it basically starts with, you know, festivals and then. You know, distribution like foreign and domestic and then um VOD and then self distributions on there, too, I think. And I just like, you know, just a little list of cascading down of all the different options. And I thought about taking that page out just because. I don't know. I was like, this is kind of useless, you know? And <laughs> right. then Jeff was like, no, it's not like for somebody who doesn't know anything about this. who's like an investor. Yeah. And, and they'll, they'll be wanna, like, how are you
0: making your money back? And you're like, like yeah, all these here, different
1: ways. here's how you do it. You send it to a festival and then, you know, he's like, that's what we will do too for our movie. So yeah. just, yeah. Keep that in there just so you can educate people on how, how it's done and how you're going to approach it. You know, it doesn't have to be, super detailed or include a whole plan it's just it should just be the basics just so they can understand what you're doing yeah you know good point so interesting anyways all right uh, so
0: Ulrich posted on facebook do you guys have any ideas for topics we got a bunch of people that wrote us and set, gave us a bunch of things to talk about i don't think we're gonna have time to go through anything today we only have about 15 minutes left right. but let's just <laughs> let's go through them and just kind of Talk about some of these things. So the first one was from uh, Nathan Blackwell. He says, Off the top of my head, and apologies if you've covered any of these already, which it's true. We've covered a lot. I mean, we're on what episode 132 right now. So mm-hmm. if you haven't listened to all the episodes, there are things that we have talked about. But at the same time, I think we're growing and changing that probably some of the things that we talked about, we have different points of view on now. So it's probably not a bad idea to to cover some of these things again yeah i agree let's do it he wants to hear about making your day so tips for dealing with a tough production day or when mishaps cause you to adapt he also wants to hear about fan films the pros and cons of making shorts with ip you don't actually own he Mm. wants to hear about rewriting there's a lot to talk about finishing the first draft but how hard do you test or challenge the material after that Um, he's not the only one that brought this up, but he wants to know about demo reels, the best practices and who's actually looking at them and what do they actually want to see? And then your voice. Do you feel like you have a distinctive voice as a filmmaker? If so, how does it affect your work or how you present yourself? Or are you still searching for it? Hmm. So Nathan, thanks. Thanks for those. We did do an episode about our voices, yeah, and it was that a was little a good episode. It was a little messy, but I think it right. has a lot of that stuff in it. And I remember <laughs> Alex Kellerman called me after that, and he told me to not worry about what my voice was. He says <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he his his advice was, if you if you're thinking about what your voice is and your career is already over because you're trying to like pigeonhole yourself it's like you know just follow your instincts
1: that's really funny if you're thinking about your voice your career is already over <laughs> oh yeah. that color Oh, so so funny um, um and then demo reels i feel like we've talked
0: about it but i couldn't find
1: it yeah we talked about it a bunch um who just did we about- talk to it with uh, I don't remember if it was in one of the commercial uh, episodes where we're talking about commercial production or whatever, but we just basically decided that uh, demo reels are not good, um, you know, as montage reels, uh, for directors, um, that montage reels are good for DPs and visual effects artists. But if you're like trying to get your work done out as a director, that it's much better to just have whole spots you know or whole pieces like on a portfolio page um i think plumber and strauss we talked about this yeah maybe way. that's who it was yeah um but yeah that you know basically if you're trying to sh- to illustrate that you can tell a story that a montage reel is useless for that doesn't help yeah you know and that's how i kind of like naturally felt thought about it but you know you just see all those fancy montage reels and you want to make your <laughs> fancy montage reel but well yeah
0: yeah. I, th- I think the question that he asked too is like, who's actually looking at them is the question you should be asking yourself. Cause you have right. to know who you're selling to. So right. if you're selling to people that don't know anything about filmmaking, then a montage reel is is what i think most people use so if you're trying to get corporate video work or do some kind of just behind the scenes stuff i think montage reels are fine but if you're trying to prove yourself as like a commercial director or a narrative director i don't think they do any good i think you have to show short pieces short samples and if all you Mm -hmm. have is longer films then just cut out like a scene like a one to two minute scene and make a page with like five of those scenes so people can just go watch it i think the goal is you just don't want people to sit there and have to watch 20 minutes of work the, the most that they're going to watch is five so right. you need to figure out how to call down your material into five minutes of watchable stuff that that proves what you can do the show yeah, or, or three
1: minutes yeah three minutes yeah. is even better like yeah. with commercials it's Keep great because it they're all 30 seconds so in three right. minutes
0: you can show six things
1: Yeah, if you can show three one-minute-ish scenes, I think, as a, a, you know, director, maybe that's useful, Uh but... Director, writer, editor? But are director's reels even important, or should you just send a finished short film or a a sample scene from a movie? I think it just depends who you're trying to sell to and what the goal of it is. I don't know. I've heard of people making director's reels, but I know every time I think about making my own, I'm always like, why am I doing this? This seems silly. (laughs) Um... Yeah. Rewriting. We've talked about about that a lot, I think, you know, Um, but we haven't really talked super duper in depth about how we rewrite and what some of our our rewriting looks like. And I think that would be really interesting to like go into like, you know, like take, you know, the alternate, for example, Mm -hmm. since there's been 12 drafts and just be like, okay, well, this is what the movie looked like on draft one. Like this was how long it was. Uh, these are some of the scenes that were in there. Um, and then, you know, in draft five, it's this length, uh, you know, half the scenes are gone. A bunch of new scenes are introduced, new characters, you know, and then draft 10 characters are gone. You know, this is the length, you know, it might be interesting to kind of do that kind of in depth, step-by-step sort of thing. Um but I don't exactly know how to structure that episode necessarily.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'll take some some time to structure Yeah, because we'll yeah. have to get really specific. Yeah.
1: And then fan films, we haven't talked about that, but I met a guy at AFM who made a Half-Life uh, web series um, fan film um, in the vein of the Dan Trachtenberg um, portal fan film, I think. And yeah, he got like millions of hits on, b- on both the episodes that he released. And I was just like super blown away. And then he's like... You know, talking to me, you know, talking to me over at AFM, and just like, you know, kind of being down and like, oh, I haven't really had any meetings, I haven't really, you know, had any good, good progress, and I'm like, bro, you have like a web series with millions of hits on both your episodes, like, how is that not helping you? Like, I don't because you make
0: those things in the hopes that it's gonna break your career, that somebody's gonna see and be like, whoa, it,
1: yeah. But it's such ammunition. I mean, if I had that ammunition going into my meetings, I think it would have gone so much better, you know? Um, but I think it's all about your, your own perception of, of what you have and your ability to sell it and to be, to like, you know, use it as the tool that it is. He also owns his own visual effects company. So it's like, I was like, man, you own your own visual effects company. You have this thing with six, with millions of hits. Like, why, why aren't you like, you know, having a movie sold right now? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, this is weird. But, uh, (laughs) but he's a really cool guy, though. And I'm sure I would, I would love to hear from him, like, how he, why, why he made his movie how he made it and you know how it's been going for him. Yeah. You know? So
0: like it's a, a topic like this, we should bring somebody on who's done a fan film or right. multiple fan films and talk to them right. about what it's like. Cause we, we talked a little bit about it when I had uh, a week where I was thinking about doing a quantum leap fan film.
1: Oh, right, right. And
0: then I think you brought up like a final, somebody who did a final fantasy
1: fan film. Yeah. Yeah. And then, another local filmmaker did the final Fantasy yeah. one. Yeah. So yeah,
0: we can do it. That, that'd be a fun one. Yeah, and then totally. making your day I think that's like this is this is kind of the thread that I'm seeing with a lot of the people who have like reached out to us and asked for certain topics is I think they want to get into more of the nitty gritty and they want to hear more specifics so making your day and tips with for dealing with a tough production day I mean that sounds like it's not going to be applicable to a, a ton of people but anyone who's working or actively making films is going to it's going to really help. So we should do stuff right. like that.
1: Yeah. We should like do more of a making your day thing. I mean, I, I haven't really directed anything in a while, so it's so, but I mean, I guess I, I produced those things that you directed. So I guess that's, I, I can talk about it in that, yeah. in that way. Cause you know, we are under the gun for that too, you know, but I mean, it's very different to be in the producer's shoes in that situation versus the mm. director's shoes. Or the you first know? AD. Yeah. Or the first AD. <laughs> Maybe we should yeah. have a,
0: an AD on to talk about that
1: one yeah that'd be interesting oh man Jonathan would be great <laughs> yeah uh he's worked on such like high budget things too and and such big 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 projects it'd be really interesting to hear his his take on that you know I think he would probably say something like yeah well you know you either do or you don't and, <laughs> you know it's like either they're gonna pay for it or they're not you yeah. know and uh some situations they can pay for it and some situations they can't you know and yeah, but i know he probably have a lot more to say he's a right really interesting guy. i'm
0: guessing that the answer to, the, to that question is it's all about the prep right because you go into right. a day with the schedule and the more experience you have at putting the schedule together the more you're going to know whether or not making your day is realistic or not right, like unlike right. us where we just like did how many shots for that music video and we're just like yeah well you know we'll just try we'll just see what we can right, do right I, it was
1: like 40 or something <laughs> we
0: probably if if we had given that to an experienced AD, they would have looked at it and said,
1: there's no way you're going to be able to get do all like this Two days. Two days. <laughs> yeah. Do it so in two I days. I think part of that
0: is just experience.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't think we have time to re- do any of these other ones now. But the one thing I wanted to say was Corey Thibert had also asked about reels. And yep. just one of his questions was, if, if you do many things, do you need separate reels? And absolutely. <laughs> like you should have a DP reel, an editing reel, uh, acting reel. You know, I mean, because they're different things. Like, I, I haven't actually been following that. Like, I just have a DP reel right now. And then I just say, like, oh, I, I edited a lot of the things in the DP right. reel. But if I was more serious about being an editor, I, I definitely should have an editor only reel that yeah, I would right. show people, you know. And when you're uh, saying but, reel, you're not, you
0: don't mean montage.
1: You just mean a page that just is like. Uh, well, a DP, I think a DP reel, a montage is good. And I yeah. think for editors too. Like, I was at that production company. Uh, last year, and they were trying to find an editor, and this guy all day was just watching montage reels, one after another, Mm -hmm. after another, after another, looking for an editor, you know? Um, how can you judge
0: if somebody can edit based off of a montage reel?
1: You're, you're judging the edit of the reel, I think. (laughs) That's so stupid. And, and like, if, if you put like a sequence in there, like you put like a, maybe a 30 second to, to 20 second sequence, within the reel and you can tell that that was a piece and then you go onto the next piece mm. and you go onto the next piece okay. you know but i get i don't know i mean i think he was also looking for people who were editors and motion graphics people so i think oh, well, in that, that world sense. it's a little bit yeah. mo- motion montage graphics, more motion graphics like yeah. anything
0: that you need to show a bunch of work really quickly motion graphics visual effects cinematography i feel like montage reels are fine but when you're yeah. like trying to prove your skills is like a storyteller or like something about pacing. It's like, I feel like you just can't do that in a montage.
1: Yeah, totally. All right, cool. So should we just skip all this stuff and like, you know, save this for, for episodes next year?
0: Well, let me just, let's just look through it really quick just so we can at least give shouts out to people. Uh, Cameron and Hassan both said that they want to hear more about raising money. Of course, Mm -hmm. everyone wants to hear about raising money. Yeah. Um, Jake Richardson asked about getting your vision onto the screen and how he's heard that many filmmakers have problems with it. Um, I love the example he said that George Lucas said he only got 30% of what he wanted on Star Wars, which I believe because he sounded very frustrated when he was shooting that movie. We've talked a lot about that. We actually have that as one of our like final questions now, where it's like we're asking directors, uh, do they feel like they're not able to get their full vision on the screen? And I think it's been interesting to hear how some of them don't even subscribe to that at all. And then others are like, oh, yeah, totally. And then see Damian yeah. Harris says um, he wants to hear interviews with department heads covering what they want from a director to do their job properly. Mm-hmm. And then he also wants to hear an episode of working with actors from an actor's perspective
1: right yeah we should definitely do that That'd be good we, we talked to some actors but we haven't really talked about that specific thing with an actor yeah you know? so that would be an interesting I mean I feel subject. like a lot of
0: times we have guests on we just want to hear their story and we want to hear how they got from to right. where they are now and that's I think just sharing that story is really interesting because it just shows all the different paths people take but I think it would be great to do some episodes where we have people come on and just tackle a topic we'll just miss that part of that the, of what we ha- have been doing in the past but it could like turn into some cool stuff we'll right, see yeah totally and then greg daniels um sent us an email he was a little frustrated because right. i think he felt like he's been listening to us for a few years and he felt like we were getting maybe like too emotional sometimes and not right. getting into the the how-to of what we're doing, and wanted to hear some more specifics on things. Right. Um, so, he he likes when we're tangibly active. He says, like when right. we took us took everyone through the paid pitch process. Um, I think the AFM thing was a good thing. I think you know breaking down Facebook ads. I just want to address this really quickly because I think it's unrealistic to think that we can do that every single week. There's just going to be some weeks where we just have to hop on and just talk about whatever's on our mind and it's probably going to get a little bit more emotional than informational just because we don't always have time to plan things if all we did was focus on the podcast we'd probably be much better at like teaching you guys stuff but we're we're trying to be working filmmakers and so a lot of what we we have to do is just kind of like hop on and see what happens do you agree
1: yeah i i think so i mean you know, we try to plan, you know, we do our best. We try to get guests, you know. Um, I think w- getting more guests, I think, is going to be helpful, you know, just to sort of break it up a little bit. And I mean, we've gone through lots of stretches where we only had guests from, from weeks and weeks and <laughs> right. weeks. Um, and then now we're on a stretch where we haven't really had that many guests as much, you know. And I think people really like the guests. And I think it's good to do both. But I don't know. I mean, it sounds like Greg doesn't even really want more guests that he'd rather have, more like active subject things you know well he did
0: say like we could a lawyer producer other like mentors come on the podcast and just talk to us about like our projects and like give us live script coverage or uh, give us advice about like what we should be doing differently um i think there's there's room for that there's room for that it it might be turn really it might be uncomfortable but we could try it yeah
1: I, I reached out to one of those types of people and they didn't respond. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think when the time's right, I can ask my lawyer to come on. I'm sure he would love to be, you know, um, be on the show. And every, a lot of people in the Bay Area all know George Rush because he's like the one entertainment lawyer here. And I think most people in film, filmmaking have, you know, run into him one way or another, you know? So. Yeah, and he's a producer too. So yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll see. I mean, definitely invite him to come on the podcast in the new year. But uh yeah, always trying to get, you know, more mentory type of guests. It's just, you know, it's hard sometimes and people don't like coming on podcasts for various reasons and then sometimes people don't want to come on unless there's something to actively promote you know or even if they are actively promoting something maybe they're too busy and they don't have time i don't know it's just lots of different right it's hard to
0: convince somebody to come on and just give us hard truths for an hour right Right. like publicly they'll do it over a cup of coffee but to like do it on a podcast where a bunch of people are listening it's it's a tough sell
1: yeah or it can be a tough sell yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, cool. All right. So, so
0: thanks everyone for sending those. That's yeah, those are helpful. And I i do I do hear you guys that you want to get into some more specifics. And um we will do some episodes where we just don't tell filmmaker stories, but we will try to tackle a topic with them because I think that could be fun.
1: Right? Yeah. And we, we did that a couple times. So I can't remember what episodes now, but we brought a guest on and we was like, we were bringing that guest on to talk about this thing. And yeah. I think like you know the guy um, that we just talked about Griffin Hammond yeah that was um, a great one yeah he he was on just to talk about distribution and we like barely touched on his other stuff you know and I think that was an interesting one but we I think we have we did go through go through a phase where that was like specifically yeah the point was like we're here to talk to you about this thing yeah and then you know? I think
0: we ran out of topics and so then we just started telling stories but now we have a ton right. of topics <laughs> exactly so we'll, we'll write these all down and we'll start tackling them over the next
1: year 2018 yeah. is going to be awesome. Exactly. Uh, do we have time for some of these iTunes reviews? Yeah, or what we
0: got two iTunes reviews from Australia. So I'll, I'll read the first one and then you can read the okay. second one. Um, these have been on there for a while. The, the first is from ControlledChaos.tv from September 7th, 2015. And he or she says, I really enjoy hearing the guys talk about their plans, success, and fears. It's a no BS chat. That is one of the most genuine talks about the struggles and hopes of making movies. As the title of this was An Encouraging Listen, and it's a five-star review. Thanks, controlled chaos.
1: It's always nice to hear when people are really into it and love the no BS thing. Because we try to be no BS, but I feel like sometimes... I don't know if we're 100% successful. Um, But, you know, I think mostly, I mean, I don't know. I always go back to that when I made that that web series and I didn't talk about what had happened until like six months later because I was like embarrassed and then I talked about it eventually. But yeah, I don't know. I think it turns out no one cares. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, I think it's I just
0: when we do talk about stuff that we don't hold back, but I think it's okay that we don't have to say everything on the podcast.
1: Right. At least not at the moment, you know, Yeah, there's gotta to be to stuff that we it. keep quiet. Right. Yeah. We
0: don't the, want to lose our
1: jobs or our careers over, over things that we say in the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right, here's the next one. Um, this is from Aussie Damo 98. Um, and it's called honest and enjoyable about an hour long. Each episode gives a good insight into the minds of a couple of aspiring amateur filmmakers from California. I definitely enjoy each one and listen for the little bits of background that can come through rather than the technical stuff that bogs down some of the other filmmaking podcasts, five stars. Wow. <laughs> That's so funny Thanks so much.
0: That's like the opposite of what we just talked about. Oh right. no, but I, I agree. Like I don't want to get technical. <laughs> And I don't want right. to get too into the weeds of like the how-tos because I do feel like the message that this podcast is really trying to put out in the world is like no matter where you are at in your career, you're not alone in the way that you feel about it. Right. So it's like I feel like in s- sometimes if you get too specific, you will throw people off because if you're, if you're like a student or like a 15-year-old that's just starting to make movies, you're not going to be able to relate to like how to make your day. Yeah. You know? I li- I,
1: yeah. I liked how Ozzy... Demo called us aspiring amateur filmmakers <laughs> because, in, in a lot of ways, yeah. I mean that's what we are when it comes to the filmmaking stuff. We definitely are oh, aspiring yeah, are. A- amateur, and I feel like sometimes we'll get emails from people where they'll say like, "Oh, these two guys who really know what they're doing or e- experts in the field or whatever." And it's like, "Well, no, I mean, <laughs> we, you know, that's like in the podcast we say that we're we're not experts, you know, like that we're just trying to, we're to work absolutely this whole thing. Not out. experts, we're, yeah, we're professional amateurs." And I think sometimes people get the sense that we're more accomplished in the filmmaking than we are, you know, but we're just, we're just making them. We're just trying, you know, like Mm -hmm. I met a guy who listens to podcasts podcast at my local coffee shop on Friday, Ed, um, shout out to Ed. And, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm just starting out. I made my first movie, you know, nowhere at your level or whatever. And I watched his movie and it was awesome. It was great. It was like years beyond better than my first yeah. movie or anybody that I know's first movie. And, you know, it was because he, he did it right. Like he got a producer, Winnie Wong, shout out, um, you know, to help him make it. And then he got a real crew and he got real actors and he just did it all right for his first movie. And, um, it turned out really great. And, you know, I sent him the rage just to get his thoughts on it. And he was like, Oh, yeah, that's a real movie. My movie's not a real movie. And I'm like, No, (laughs) your movie, your movie's a real movie. Like for real. Like don't, like, and I'm sure you're going to get into way more film film festivals than the rage did. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think people need to, I think it's, it's interesting because at the same time, you're like, okay, I'm at this level and you know, I'm, I'm seeing all the problems and all the things I don't like about my movie. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, you should realize like the things that you accomplished and be proud of them too. But he, we had this conversation when we met in person. He was, he's told me he feels more like you do. Like everything I make is, you know, not that good. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well,
0: I don't think you always know where you are. I remember talking to somebody and just kind of complaining that I wasn't where I wanted to be. And she said to me, I think you're a lot closer than you think you are. And that kind of stuck with me cuz I do think that you don't really know like where you are in the mix. It always right. I think it's always going to feel like you never really got to that place. Right. You're always exactly. climbing the
1: mountain. You're always climbing the mountain I think for sure. And you know, I don't know if I'll ever feel like I'm not an amateur filmmaker, you know? I mean, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know when that changes. I, I think that spirit you know i think it, it stays with people like we especially you and hear like famous filmmakers mm-hmm. talking about it you know and, and they still talk in that way you know that they're just learning and they're growing or trying to figure it out like they don't have all the answers you know and i think yeah i don't know if the day will ever be where i'm like yes i'm a real filmmaker <laughs> you know? yeah
0: i don't think you can ever know everything there is to know about film yeah. i think it it's always always feels like you're a student
1: and there's so many different approaches like there's so many different ways you can attack a scene or attack a a story or anything and i think you know not not every way and not any one way is right they're all they're all different and good for their different ways you know um but yeah anyways very interesting but thanks to, to uh you know controlled chaos and ozzy demo for those reviews that's awesome yeah and
0: hopefully you guys are still listening
1: yeah, especially Control Chaos. That was back in September 7th, 2015. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it took us a long time. And then May 28th, 2016. That's like a year ago. Jeez. But uh, I mean, yeah, it September so 7th, long.
0: 2015, would have been just a few months after we started the podcast. Yeah,
1: that was, yeah, we reached Australia right from the beginning. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. All well, right, we've we talked enough. I, take us out. Take, take us out. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to get in contact with us, you can send an email to podcast at com, or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at MMIH Podcast. You can also visit our website at where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode. While you're there, you can sign up to receive a weekly email from us and we'll deliver the show notes to your inbox every Monday fresh at like 6 a.m finally if you like the show tell your friends about it or leave a rating for the podcast on itunes or stitcher and then again uh we talked about it a little bit but we have this new facebook group um go on facebook find it it's called indie filmmakers group what's it called
0: <laughs> indie filmmaking community i believe
1: indie filmmaking community well it's it's the group linked to the making movies is hard yeah uh,
0: if you got to make it the making movies is hard facebook page on on the there's a tab on the side. you can click on that's um i think it's just called community and then it will bring
1: you to a link to it but that group's totally exploding and i mean i you know i didn't really go to it for a couple days after i'd asked that question about topics and then just to (laughs) see like how many people responded i was like holy shit that's awesome so yeah thanks for people to be for being engaged on there that's great um but yeah thanks timothy and yeah talk to you guys next week bye-bye Awesome. With the siren.